Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, everybody. Let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. is the main event, Mark's podcast, now on the Unhinged Sports Network. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and cat dad, Troy Adams. And with me, as always, is the main event collector, the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia, and the Robert Gibson to my Ricky Morton. He is Greg. What's up, Greg? You are not cool enough to be Ricky Morton. I know. I don't quite have the bleach blonde, high and tight mullet going on, so... Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, in your defense, you don't have a walleye, so... <laughs> yeah, but I'm cool. Well, you are. Sure. <laughs> Before we get started here, I want everybody to know that the main event marks is sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. If you're a real sports fan, you're going to want to click on the links down in the show description and let them know that the main event marks and Unhinged Sports Network sent you. And I know you recently told me you're a big fan of Fanatics. Yeah, I have a couple of things I order from them yearly. Finally, something yeah. I, I know and like that's in with us. Yeah, and I was goofing around on my Roku the other day just looking for stuff to watch, and I found uh, Fubo TV on there. So if you go to unhingedsn.com, there are a lot of other great sports podcasts on there that can help you out, and they all utilize uh, Fubo TV, I'm sure, and a lot of them, I'm sure, really love Fanatics. But today, man, fanatics, man, they got great stuff at good prices, man. It's an amazing site. And I'm not just shilling. I'm serious. It's a great site. Down in the podcast description, everybody. Also, we are on, we have been on uh, unhingedsn.com Wednesdays at 8 p.m. now. Listen live. Check us out on there. And obviously, we drop on the podcast feed every Wednesday as well. But 8 p.m. Eastern 
time. I want to put that out there. Unhingedsn.com. Yeah, man. Today we are talking about Super Brawl Three. Have you ever seen this show? I watched it live. Don't think yeah. I've watched it since 1993. So I was three years. I wasn't even three years old yet because it was in yeah. <laughs> February. So, but yeah, I remember um, it was like right before WrestleMania Nine, which mm. we all remember how epic that was. Absolutely. So I think it was like I, that might have been the first month ever where I watched pay per views in back to back months at a friend's house. Ah, nice. I, I'd have to do some math on that, but that's the first one I can remember off the top of my head. Well, as a kid, what was? Do you remember what your initial reaction was to something like this? Oh, I probably ate it up. Wait, well, like Johnny B. Bad? I mean, he that's kid friendly out there. He's, he's got the bad I blaster. Like Johnny B. Bad, actually. I looking at it now, like as a kid, I don't know how I would have felt about him, but as an adult, I was like, I don't know why everybody craps on him. Obviously, the gimmick was corny, but I thought he pulled it off well. He was a great. Well, it's wrestler. right there. It's right there in your description. Kind of corny. That's what that's for kids. You know, I think that's that was the appeal. I think to to, to me, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, Super Brawl Three, the whole hook of it was the White Castle of Fear strap match. So that's something. That, Dude, that, the that's, build up, man. Oh man. I know. That Honestly, effing money. <laughs> I'm going to be real honest with you. That's the entire reason I wanted to do this show. Like, I'm not even joking. Because I just wanted to talk about it. You're like one of those but, weird teenagers who likes cutting themselves, but except you like watching crap. <laughs> I saw White Castle of Fear Strap Match. I'm like, yes, please. I also didn't realize that. I have some, I have a comment about that, but I'm going to use it for something else on this show. So. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't realize how much huge news there was going into this event, though. So it yeah. worked out serendipitously. Oh, like, this was awesome. To be honest, I'm, by the way, when you pick these, sometimes I'm thinking you pick them because of the news. Sometimes I do, but very seldom do I. I usually just pick it because of the event. But this one just worked out perfect. So I was like, wow, okay, there's a ton of really big news here. So we're going to take some time out some big time out for the news at hand uh and then we're going to quickly go over the event we're not going to brush over it and just not touch on things but all in all the the biggest portion of the show is going to be the news so stay tuned for that when we come back from this first break we'll dive into all that is the news from february of 1993 Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to the main event of the NFL football season. That's right. This Sunday is the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And to commemorate all of that, we're going to be talking some wrestling. We're going to drop a very special bonus watch-along episode to all of our podcast feeds and our YouTube channel, and you can listen to it before, during, or after the game because it drops Saturday at noon. We're going to do a watch-along for the very first-ever halftime heat from 1999 between The Rock and Mankind. It was an empty arena match for the WWF title. Don't forget, Saturday at noon all of our podcast feeds and YouTube. Check us out. It's a very special Super Bowl-themed bonus show. Enjoy! Thanks. 
Coffee, order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru, tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back, but before we get into all the news and notes at hand, make sure that you visit unhingedsn.com to hear us every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We come on the air right when NXT and AEW Dynamite do. So uh, Wednesdays are for wrestling now, whether it's on TV or on unhingedsn.com. Or as uh, Matt Stryker called, the midweek wars. (laughs) Yeah, my gosh. Bless his heart, he's selling it, man. Give him credit. (laughs) This first story here, unfortunately, we're going to kill the merriment early. We're going to get back into the merriment later, but this first story... I just could have picked a better word. Okay, we're we're going to bring down the merriment early. I I don't know how else to put it, but this first story is really, really... I mean, it's, it's a big one, and it's really sad. On February 18th, 1993, after Kerry Von Erich was indicted on his second criminal charge, which likely would have resulted in extensive jail time, he committed suicide with a single gunshot to the heart with a 44 caliber pistol on his father's ranch in Denton, Texas, or excuse me, Denton County, Texas. He was 33 years old. Carrie's wife, Kathy, had apparently hid all the guns in the house. So Carrie went to his father's ranch, said goodbye to Fritz, borrowed a 44 Magnum to, quote, find a quiet spot to do some thinking. Fritz later found the empty Jeep that Carrie had taken and found Carrie dead in the thicket. This, yeah, until Kevin's boys recently got into MLW and, you know, we can talk about how MLW isn't big league, whatever, doesn't matter. But until that, that literally killed the Von Erich dynasty. I don't think I knew about it until I was like 10 or 11. Yeah, it's sad. 33 years old, man. That's only three years older than me. I, I can't imagine just – and people pointed out, I mean, obviously, if you're thinking suicide, you're – you know, you got a lot of issues going on and everything. So, you know, that is what it is. But people have talked about – they're like, he probably would have done a year in jail or prison, whatever. It's like obviously prison isn't a good place to go and nobody wants to go. But it's like do your time like a man, you know – it probably would have been the best thing for him because of all of his issues. And then he could have came out and been a better father and better husband than ever. But he just decides to end it all. And it's really sad, man. I just, I can't think of another word for it other than tragic and sad. The whole family though. It's like, it's been a thing with them. I know. Yeah. You think about all the, you know, David died by bad circumstances. I can't remember the name of the brother the oldest one that died when he was a little kid by getting electrocuted uh, by accident. That was the first one, then David. And then all the stuff with, I can't remember which one it was that uh, he had something wrong with him where he got like some brain damage or something like that. You, you you remember what I'm talking about? I remember because I saw the documentary. Yeah. I can't remember. I'm sorry. There were so many of them. I can't think yeah, of right. who it was now. And he wasn't one of the famous ones. He was just, 
they literally said they threw him in there because his last name was Von Eric and they needed somebody to fill in for David. Uh, so didn't they say yeah. he was like a cousin or something? No, he was a brother, but they, well, they came up with a cousin named Lance and everybody knew he wasn't related to the family. So they booed the crap out of him. They claimed instead of, cause there was Fritz and Waldo Von Eric back in the day. And they claimed he was Waldo's son. And people were like, no, he's not bull crap. And they booed him. So, yeah. <laughs> and then there was Chris Von Eric who killed himself because he just had a lot of physical ailments that prevented him from wrestling. And all he ever wanted to do was to be a wrestler. And it depressed him so bad that he shot himself. So, yeah, it's just so much stuff. And then Fritz had, what, dementia before he died? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that yeah, doesn't it, surprise me at all. I mean, yeah. How do you not have dementia after all that? Right. Well, and I mean, Kevin talked about, if, if anybody wants to know more about this, you know, and hear like better recounts of all these stories, whatever, uh, Dark Side of the Ring season one is the way to go. It's, I might uh, say go to the AWA documentary. Or is it, actually, the, it won't make you completely miserable. <laughs> Oh yeah, the W. What was it? The oh WCCW. Never mind. Yeah, the yeah. I can't remember what the hell they called the DVD, but yeah, it's yeah. If you ever find the WWE produced WCCW one, yeah. But the Dark Side of the Ring one, because WWE didn't put this part in there, but Dark Side did, obviously, because that's their whole thing. But you know, Fritz handing Kevin the gun, and it was like, well, you know, if you were if you had the the balls like your brothers did, you'd kill yourself right here too, or something like that. And Kevin was like, nah, I didn't hold it against him because he was really suffering with dementia at that point. So he's like, I didn't think anything of it. Obviously, it hurts because it's your dad. But, you know, I mean, you, he's not in his right mind. So but let's let's get off another story that doesn't make us want to jump off a bridge here. Getting into some WWF news. Hulk Hogan is set to debut on Raw at the February 22nd tapings. And his deal will include all pay-per-view shows and even a rumored March 7th Saturday night's main event. I don't know if that Spoiler, one ever happened. Spoiler, that never happens. Yeah, okay. So, do you remember Hogan on Raw? I do, you know. That just seems he like up to so save weird. Cake, and then from the Money Inc. and Jimmy Hart turns face. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's just so... Like, when I hear Hulk Hogan and Raw in the 90s, it's just it sounds weird in my mouth. I don't know. Um, don't go dirty with it. Speaking of going dirty with it, the WWF is suing Kevin Nails Wachholz for slander and much more. The district attorney's office refused to even prosecute Wachholz's ridiculous sexual assault claims against McMahon due to a lack of evidence. I believe him. Okay? Vince is a weirdo. Yeah. To people that don't know what the hell we're talking <laughs> oh about, what God. the hell's yeah, going on. Yeah, I know. On. Please give him some context. This is getting weird. <laughs> Nails was in Vince McMahon's office, allegedly holding, according to multiple accounts of people that were within shouting distance. They I, apparently Nails tried to hold McMahon up for money because you know if there's one person that needs to hold them up for money, it's it's Nails. Uh, but he tried to hold him up for money. He said no, uh, or you know McMahon was like no, you know you get what you get. And Nails, like, basically attacked him while he was sitting in his chair behind his desk. And then when they pulled him off of McMahon, trying to choke him out, he said, oh, he tried to touch my wiener or something like that. <laughs> and then he <laughs> and then he has to, to anticipate Vince going to the cops for assault. He goes to the cops and claims that Vince touched him and tried to sexually assault him. 
And people said it was so outrageous. That's why it's like, you know, the, the district attorney is just like, you're kidding. Like, no. I mean, in that time, in that time frame, you, you could have touched Rick the Model Martell instead of nails. Jeez. I know. Of all the people, <laughs> I, you know, it is I, not to make light of sexual assault, but it's like, for God's sake, this is stupid. <laughs> oh, man. The only thing I well, can think of. Well, to be fair, of, though, he wanted all that money because, you know, him and Virgil sold out Wembley. You know, Virgil oh, says it once a day course. on his Instagram. Well, Virgil apparently was happy with his compensation. So. Yeah, he got 20 bucks and a gift card at Olive Garden. He was hella happy. Oh, yeah, man. And, you know, when I hear the story, all I can think of is, have you seen that the remake of Bad News Bears with Billy Bob Thornton? Yeah, that's where it's like the third time this has been talked about for, with me this week with someone. <laughs> really? <laughs> that's odd. But all I can think of with this story is that one time the kid was like, you better shut the F up before I tell somebody you touched my pecker. <laughs> 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 That's all I can oh, think of the story. Oh man! When I imagine the, the whole thing with nails, I imagine that distorted voice. You're <laughs> trying to touch my junk. <laughs> oh my gosh! You can't uh, unhear that, dude. Sorry. I I know. But yeah, apparently, I think this was. Um, I think it was. I want to say it was in WCW. I was listening to a podcast the other day. I can't remember if it was WCW. Or WWF, might have been WWF, I don't know. Cause he called up and he was like, you guys got a spot for me or whatever. And he's like, uh, oh, you know, we'll get back to you. And he called him back later. He's like, yeah, sorry. We're just, you know, we're all full up. We don't, uh, you know, the, the roster is kind of full at this point. And he's like, we'll fire somebody. I need to work. Yeah. That's like, how life works. <laughs> yeah. He's like, sure. We'll get right on that. Like, <laughs> like, like he's freaking Hulk Hogan. It's like, Hey, you got a spot for me, brother. It's like, yeah, we'll make room. <laughs> sure. Nails. And then, uh, Bischoff ends up hiring him anyways. Right. Another lawsuit story here from Vincent, Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince and Linda McMahon filed a lawsuit against Geraldo Rivera and several others involved in his show with a claim being that they were attempting to extort $5 million from Vince in order to keep the Rita Chatterton story quiet. Geraldo's publicist replied to the suit by noting, quote, we repeatedly asked Mr. McMahon to appear on the program to counter the allegations. He repeatedly refused, end quote. So in uh, his brilliant mind, if you invite someone, they say no, it's fair game to go after them. Well, yeah, that's how things work, Greg. <laughs> I mean, we've seen that in this past in this past year in media. We've seen that a couple of times. Like, well, we we told them, hey, you can come on our show. They said no. So F them. Let me go whole hog on them. Yep. Yep. Uh, just to give some back story, because I had no idea what the hell the Rita Chatterton thing was. Apparently, Rita Chatterton claimed that on July 16th, 1986, she was a referee in the WWF, like the first female referee probably ever. But according to her in 86, Vince McMahon tried to force her to perform oral sex on him in his limousine. And when she refused, he raped her. Did you hear anything about the story ever? No. You were today years old. Yeah. Uh, well, nothing came about of this. It never went anywhere. So we can assume she was full of crap. And she waited seven years to sue him? Yeah, give or take. <laughs> That's like standard right under the statute of limitations? Yeah. Well, that's just a coincidence, I guess, right? Like, you know, it, Did she see Nails accuse him of that? and? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that set it off. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's just dragging his name through the mud and whatever. So he sued Geraldo Rivera, or, well, him and Linda both did. So, A.K.A. the mustache. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Last lawsuit story we have here. Paul Heyman is suing WCW for wrongful dismissal and ethnic discrimination, claiming that he was fired because Bill Watts only was looking uh, looking to cut costs and not because he deserved to be fired. What's the discrimination? Because he's Jewish? Yeah. Because literally that's all it could be, right? Right, yeah. Oh. Yeah, they, he claimed he was fired for anti-Semitism. I mean, Bill because, Watts is notoriously kind of racist. I mean, Well, we're about to get into that. But I mean, ahead, but, but yeah. but like, I'm just saying, I, I've never heard of I always thought it was against black people. So. Oh, it's against a, a myriad of people, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think he ever... I don't know, I could be wrong, but it's like, I don't think he was like, Frickin' Jewish Pauly, whatever, screw him, man. Like, we, we we need a Christian manager in here with a cell phone. I don't know. Well, they it's, had an atheist with a racket, so... Right. The, this whole thing, the reason he got canned, supposedly, they looked into his finances, and because he was not just an on-air talent, but he was, like, he worked in the office. He was part of the championship committee, I believe, and some other things. But because he worked in the office, he was reimbursed for plane tickets and hotel uh, reservations and whatever. Well, he wasn't using the plane tickets. He would cash them in for, for cash and then, like, use that money. And then he would also claim to be checked into the hotel and not use the hotel and then just, you know, find out how much he would be paying and then claim it. So allegedly he got, like, thousands of dollars out of wcw this so way that, that i all heard before yeah i think i, so, think I heard an old jim Cornette interview when he said that so yeah Cornette claimed this uh i think well jim ross said this as well and and he should know he was working in the office at this point so he said that was the exact reason they fired him and i'm more inclined to believe him than most people so yeah, I, out of out of the uh the list of jims to believe i would go with <laughs> ross I, I'm going to say they settled with him out of court. They just gave him a, a small settlement, told him to get the F out. Because that's usually how WCW and works. was that enough to go start ECW or buy it or whatever? Probably. He's like, I'm buying in. Well, I mean, it probably only cost him a couple of bits and some Skittles. So I know. Well, at the time, they were being run by the NWA, which was non-existent besides this. So, yeah, I'm sure they were like, "You wait, you have actual cash? Like, I don't care how much. You have cash, right? Like, come on in. Holy crap. <laughs> Usually it's me bearing ECW. Okay, nice. Yeah, well, I mean, I was bearing ECW, but in the long run, I was bearing the NWA. So. All right, well, speaking of racism here, this is the story, and I want to cover it in long form. Besides the original, uh, or the, the first story we covered here, which was the Kerry Von Erich death. That was a big one. This is just chef's kiss of like, holy crap, I can't believe this happened. (sighs) Cowboy Bill Watts resigned his post as head of WCW on uh, February 10th, leaving Ole Anderson as the new person in charge and Eric Bischoff as executive producer of TV. I'm going to pause there real quick because a lot of people think it went Bill Eric. No, 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 no. Ole Anderson was in charge of booking during this time. So I want to say this was his second run, too. 
It was, yeah, because I think it was like Oli, Bill, back to Oli, and then Eric. And and in what universe are you like, man? You know, a better choice for anything is Oli Anderson. <laughs> like that's absolutely nuts to me. That a step up was Oli Anderson. Well, I like that old saying you have: uh, "Who has the cleanest pigsty?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this was uh, like this definitely was Oli's second run because what was. What was the Starcade we just reviewed? Was it 89 with the Black uh, Scorpion? Yeah, I think so. And he's also um, at, he's a big thing when uh, Sting wins the title. You think he handcuffs himself to somebody to keep him out of oh, the match? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who, who it was off the top of my head, but yeah. Yeah, so this was definitely Ole's second run uh, with Bill Watts in between. Good lord. Uh, but anyway, the official company statement on Watts' exit was, quote, Turner Broadcasting does not, by policy, comment on personnel matters, end quote. As it turns out, Bill was about to be roasted over the coals for his comments made 18 months previous that were along the same lines as what Marge Schott said. For those that don't know, and Greg did not when I talked to him the other day, Marge Schott is a former owner of the Cincinnati Reds, which, you know, the Reds are my my secondary team, I guess, if I had to root for somebody in the National League. They're it, because I live in Ohio, uh, and I live close to Cincinnati. But I have no idea anything about Reds' history, so I had no idea who Marge Schott was. But to give you an idea of some of the comments she said, just to, set, just to tee up the Bill Watts stuff here, Marge Schott had once said that about Adolf Hitler that, quote, everybody knows he was good at the beginning, but he just went too far. End quote. Yeah. Uh, she was fined $25,000 and suspended from baseball for one year for slurs against blacks, Jews, and Asians. She was known to use the phrase, such phrases as, quote, million dollar and words, quote, money grubbing Jews and jacks. Apparently these just like flowed from her. <laughs> like, man, she's got. Great outlook on life, I guess. I know. Yeah, it's like, you know, if there's one group of people that there's a lot of in sports, you know, black guys usually, and you're going to throw around the N-word like it's no big deal. Like, for God's sake. Well, man. <sighs> but anyway, back to Bill Watts here. The interview... Yes, let's get back to him, please. The interview that sealed his fate took place in the Pro Wrestling Torch in 1991 annual and was faxed by Hank Aaron, who oddly enough just passed away. As, as of this podcast, he passed away a couple weeks ago, which just another serendipitous thing that happened during this, you know, because of this podcast. Rest in peace, Hank Aaron. Uh, but this it was faxed on February 9th to Hank Aaron by uh, I'm going to give you Three guesses who faxed it to him. <laughs> you only need just... one. Well, you're probably wrong. It was Mark Madden. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He was still, he was a thing back then? He was in radio at the time, yeah. I, st I, just, I just thought WCW was his beginning. Nope, yeah, he was a big radio personality. That's actually why he was hired by WCW. Uh, Aaron yeah. took... What a, what a hire that was, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, think about this. Um, Mark Madden faxed us to Hank Aaron, who, you know, for those who don't know, was black. 
So he probably didn't like these statements that Bill Watts made. Uh, Aaron took the facts to TBS president Terry McGurk, and Watts was had tendered his resignation by the next morning. Well, let's 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 go over some of this uh, some of this Bill Watts stuff just so you get a little taste of what he said. Uh, if you really want to know, it's like was it really that bad? Did he? I mean, yes, yes. He said, if you want a business and you put your money in it, you shouldn't be able to discriminate. It's your business. If free enterprise is going to make or break it, you should be able to discriminate. It should be that, by God, if you're going to open your doors in America, you can discriminate. Why the F not? That's why I went into business, so that I could discriminate. I mean, really. I mean, I want to be able to serve who I want. It's my business. It's my investment. I can tell an F word that's that's against uh, homosexuals to get the F out. I should have the right, I'm laughing, it's not funny, it's just like, wow. I should have the right to not have to associate with an F word if I want to. I mean, why should I have to hire an effing F if I don't like Fs? F words discriminate against us, don't they? Sure they do. Do blacks discriminate against whites? Who killed more blacks than anyone? The effing blacks. But they want to blame that BS roots that came on air. That roots is so BS. All you have to do, my God, all you have to do is if you want slaves is to hand beads to the chief and they gave you slaves. What's the best thing that has ever happened to the black race? That they were brought to this country, no matter how they got here. You know why? Because they intermarried and got educated. (laughs) There's, they're the ones running the black race. And I'm just going to cut it off there. It's just, my God. (sighs) Sounds well put together. He went off about not liking homosexuals. He went off about not wanting to serve them, not wanting to have anything to do with them, about, you know, slavery was the best thing that ever happened to black people. Like, my God. (laughs) Again, I'm not laughing because this is funny. I'm laughing because it's like, what? Like a human actually said this. Yeah. Like these words came out of a person's mouth. And this isn't an interview, by the way, from the 1950s. This is an interview from 1991. 91. I, it's just, I don't know what to say. People keep this, hiring this guy. Yeah. He, this is important to keep in mind too. He had a job at the WWF after this. And he got in their Hall of Fame too. Did he? Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that one. <sighs> wow. He was employed by Vince McMahon in the WWF after this one. Maybe they thought he turned to leave? What was the interview process of that one? Like, did, like, I mean, obviously JR was, you know, a higher up at that point. But it's like, did he talk with Vince McMahon? And he's like, well, Bill, I can assure you that we only have a few black people around here. And I, as far as I know, we don't have any gay people on the roster. So I think you're safe. Wasn't Pat Passion there? <laughs> Oh, well, then I'm wrong. (laughs) Like, what the hell, man? So, yeah, um, he was gone after this, and uh, deservedly so. The only bad thing about it was they didn't fire him. They let him quit. Maybe they felt they fired him. It'd be a big loss or something. What I'm thinking is they're probably like, well, you know, if we fire him, we're going to have to pay him severance. So... (laughs) That's one true. Com- Make him yeah. quit. Right. 
One consequence of Bill's resignation is the end of the talent trade between WCW and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. <gasps> oh, no. Good Lord. We'll get into that on the show, by the way. Yeah. But, what will uh... we do without that? <laughs> in 1993. Good old-fashioned wrestling is going back to the Smoky Mountains. Uh, well, it's funny, in 93, they'd be affiliated with WCW and WWE. Same year. Yeah, probably after this. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Jim they Ross are on this show, by the way. So, yeah, they are. Uh, meanwhile, Jim Ross is basically out of the company against his wishes because of all this, removed from all TV appearances, and is su- and is soon to be kicked off of the WCW hotline as well. Why is he kicked off of this? What do you do? That's the whole thing, and he talks about it on his podcast. He he was basically let go because he was Bill Watts's boy. And guilt by association, which mm. just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Eric Bischoff did say he's like, well, he wasn't squeaky clean. I mean, he was a political animal back, you know, back then, which is why him and Tony Schiavone hated each other. But at the same time, he didn't do anything wrong. Jim Ross just said, he's like, you should have seen after all this came out. He said, nobody would associate with me. He's like, when I was, he said, I felt like the new kid at lunch because he said, I'd be eating at the CNN tower. And I'd be at a table all by myself. Nobody would sit anywhere near me because they didn't want to get the stink of Bill Watts on him. And he's still friends with this idiot to this day. I know. Well, he said, well, I don't blame Bill Watts for that. Whatever. It's like, okay, maybe don't blame him for people being an ass to you at WCW, but blame him for being a piece of trash. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's a big thing. Oh, man. You know who else is good friends with Bill Watts to this day? Jim Cornette. That doesn't surprise me at all, though. No, not no, not even kind of, especially with some of the rants I've heard uh, Cornette go on. Sid Vicious has signed with WCW, although one of his provisions Yay. is <laughs> although one of his provi- provisions is that they not have the right to send him to Japan, which I'm sure New Japan was just crying over that one. <laughs> like, what do you mean we can't book Sid Vicious? Come on. Him and Muda. Now. And he set, set days off to play softball. Yeah, right. Last story here. This is a big one, and it's going to come into play in the show. Ric Flair officially received his release from the WWF on February 10th, and he starts on the WCW payroll as of February 16th. But he cannot be advertised for Super Brawl because the WWF amazingly managed to drag out the release debacle until two days after the final TV taping before the pay-per-view. He won't be wrestling at the show anyway. Flair signed for three years at $425,000 a year, which apparently was a $300,000 pay cut from his previous contract. Why the hell did he go back then? Because um, from what I had heard, Vince McMahon literally came to him after he lost the title and he said, hey, we're going to start pushing the younger guys. I can't remember off the top of my head which ones in particular. I know well, Brett. Brett Hart and, for sure. Yeah, Brett Hart. And I don't think he said Sean at the time. But there was Brett Hart and some other uh, younger guys. And he said, so, you know, basically, he basically told, well, I think Hennig was one of them. He basically told Ric Flair, I'm going to use you to put over my top guys. And Flair was like, yeah, I'm not I'm not OK with that. So he took a big pay cut to go back to WCW. He didn't lose the handing on TV. What good was he? I know. This is what gets me. It's like you go back to work for a guy who I'm sure he thought 
Oli was his pal, you know, and then he gets there day one and Oli's like, ah, you piece of crap. You lost to Hennig on TV. F off. Like, okay. <laughs> that's a, that's bad, man. You lose a Henning, man. He sucks. I know. What did Mr. Perfect ever do? <laughs> All right. My gosh. But anyway. All right. Well, that's the news and notes. Like I said, we had to drag it out a little a bit this week. Hell of a piece of news and notes. I'm almost depressed now. Yeah. I mean, I do think that was some of the bigger news we've had on any of our podcasts since the beginning of the show. There was a lot to get into. So uh, we're going to get through Super Brawl 3, though. We're going to do it on the other side of this year break. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to the main event of the NFL football season. That's right. This Sunday is the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And to commemorate all of that, we're going to be talking some wrestling. We're going to drop a very special bonus watch-along episode to all of our podcast feeds and our YouTube channel. And you can listen to it before, during, or after the game because it drops Saturday at noon. We're going to do a watch-along the very first-ever halftime heat from 1999 between The Rock and Mankind. It was an empty arena match for the WWF title. Don't forget, Saturday at noon, all of our podcast feeds and YouTube. Check us out. It's a very special Super Bowl-themed bonus show. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. But before we dive in Super Brawl 3, make sure that you visit UnhingedSN.com to hear us every single Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right when AEW Dynamite and NXT kick off. Check us out. Like I said, 8 p.m. Eastern, UnhingedSN.com. And of course, we're on all your podcast feeds like... uh you know, we say in the stinger coming back from the break. So, all right, man. Super Bowl three took place February twenty first, nineteen ninety three, at the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina. That just seemed like they were always there in the nineties and the eight, late eighties. Attendance was sixty five hundred, and the pay per view buy rate was a point five. I did see some disputed numbers on that, but I'm going to go with point five. 
Apparently, the show did amazing in feedback, the best response since Russell War 91. There was a sellout 6,500 in the building and another 1,000 overflow next door watching on closed circuit. I mean, without getting too much into, you know, final ratings or whatever, I mean, did you like this show? I didn't hate it. <sighs> I didn't hate it. I just, like, I don't know. Maybe it was good by 93 standards. And I, I don't know. There's some fun stuff in here. Yeah, there definitely is. I'm not saying the show is a clunker. It's not. It just, I don't know. Uh, the opening package shows Vader. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just, no, no. I'm laughing because just I forgot my first note for the open, dude. They open yeah. with, it looks like Sting getting molested. I'm like, what the I, hell? That is I, literally the, the first thing you see. Yeah, Barry, Barry Wyndham is like, he looks like he's doing Sting doggy style over the top rope. While, uh, yeah, well, well, no, uh, who is it on the outside? Oh, uh, Harley, Harley, Harley races on the outside, holding Steen's arms down over the top rope. Vader's whipping him with a strap. Somebody had posted a picture of this, and I sent it to one of my friends who's actually in the like the local wrestling team. <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I, I captioned it, and I was like, when I said "f him, Barry," I didn't mean like this. <laughs> Uh, he got a kick out of it. But anyway. What, what, what I laughed so hard about is, like, they didn't say, hey, well, this is Super Brawl, welcome. That's the first thing you see. Almost like you're yeah. coming in through a live TV show. Yeah, it's like, whoa, what whoa. The what the hell? hell? Yeah, you, you come in, and I can just imagine, like, casual viewers coming in and seeing that. And they're like, what in the F? <laughs> Why is that half-naked man doing the other half-naked man while the third half-naked man straps him? <laughs> what the hell? And you made it worse. Congrats. And he's in, and he's in a BDSM mask. <laughs> but I did say as goofy as the White Castle of Fear was, the opening package actually made me care about it. And I was like, well, it's kind of cool, actually. Plus, it's Sting Invader, so I'm always down for that. But we start off with Eric Bischoff and his amazing head of hair alongside Missy Hyatt and her amazing plastic surgery job. I'm sorry. I had to <laughs> yeah, I'm not touching drop. that. <laughs> dropped it in there. Uh, Bischoff lets us know that Ron Simmons is out with a shoulder injury and he can't compete tonight. So, who do you replace the great Ron Simmons with, Greg? Well, <laughs> Max Payne! Oh, <laughs> For those that don't remember Max Payne, you may remember him from such roles as Man Mountain Rock in the WWF. <sighs> oh my gosh. was that a, That was a 95 thing, right? Hell yeah, 95, the year of the uh, occupational gimmick. Yeah, he, his occupation was rock star. Oversized rock star. I we're about say. to get to that here in one second. <laughs> yeah. I did say quite the replacement. Yeah, Missy right. Hyatt would, Missy Hyatt was so effing goofy and just out of place here. But Eric introduces Johnny B. Bad, who comes out to a mix of cheers and booze and then complete silence. He's yeah. dressed First of all, my first thing is, like, why is he not wrestling on the show? I know. It's like, is he hurt? I don't know, because he seemed like you and I talked about it. He was like the perennial opener for WCW pay-per-views during this time. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not insulting him here. Don't think, don't read anything into this insulting-wise. I'm don't just at me. <laughs> I'm just pointing it out. He's dressed like a riverboat captain on a gay pride cruise. He's, he's wearing, wearing a crap ton of eyeliner, too, so I'm trying to think. He's wearing... That? Was that originally yeah, his thing? <laughs> I don't. He's wearing blush, eyeshadow, eye uh, like mascara, 
he his, he's wearing like a like a cruise captain outfit with no shirt and it's like sparkly and bedazzled. He's got his bad blaster and even his like movements and the way in like his mannerisms or whatever. I was like, OK, so I mean, looking back, if I if that was like happening today, I'd be like, OK, so he's gay. I mean, that's that's fine. Whatever. But he's not he's like flamboyant oh, and androgynous. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're going to go with that. Again, I'm not insulting anything or anybody here. I'm just pointing this out. What do you look like? But anyway, we're now sent to our commentary team of Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura. Jesse's got the Reno haircut, or maybe Reno had his haircut. I don't know. Reno. You said Reno. That's the only person I can think of with that (laughs) effing haircut. Who else has that damn haircut? Who remembers Reno, though? We've recently watched... Even compare. (laughs) Well, we've recently watched some some WCW stuff with him in it, so that's the only reason I remember. I was like, who the hell told you that looked good, bro? But anyway, he's he's got the he's got that haircut. He's wearing a snakeskin poncho as well over his tracksuit. I'm like, where does one find a snakeskin poncho? Uh, ponchos are us. I, I, yeah, there you go. Maybe. Uh, after they talk for a while, we get a rendition of the Star Spangled Banner by the heel... Max Payne on his electric guitar. Because <sighs> F you, America. Yeah, if you want to get over this guy as a heel who is going to be taking on your big baby face U.S. champion later in the night, how do you do that? Have him open the show with a star-spangled banner, by God, while everybody stands with their hands on their hearts. <laughs> I think it would have been a little better if you had actually messed it up or something. Well, there were a few off notes, by the way, too. But uh, Yeah, well, he's no Jimi Hendrix, but... <laughs> Yeah, this just like, what the frick, dude? But then we get pyro blowing, we finally get frickin' going. First match of the night, we get the Hollywood Blondes of Flying Brian Pillman and Stunning Steve Austin taking on Eric Watts and Marcus Alexander Bagwell in 16 and a half minutes. My first, one of my first notes, like, oh my god, another partner for Buff. I, I know. I was like, how many think, partners has this mofo had? I think we had like, we had a count, we had like four in the last one. Yeah. Well, it was like Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, what was the other one he had? I'm, just, I'm blanking on Two Cold Scorpio, Patriot, Z-Man. Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs. Scott uh, Norton. That, Scott Norton. Uh, he teamed with Lex for a while. Then now here's Eric Watts. So that's seven. Seven tag partners. Uh, uh, and Scott Steiner. So that's eight. And oh Rick God. Steiner for a minute, too. Nine. Nine partners. He almost hit he almost hit the 10, man. Man. Then anyway. No, he never uh, had Ty Dillinger. Wow. Uh, during the Blondes entrance, we clearly see Matt Hardy in the crowd flexing and going nuts. Did you catch that? I did not. Yeah, he's like he's jacked, by the way. He's effing jacked. He's got a flat top. He's like, if you go back and watch, he's in uh, an aisle seat. And as they're walking down the aisle, the camera switches. And he's like jumping in front of everybody, trying to get on camera, flexing his muscles. I'm was like, no, this was him because I never heard of this. Uh, nobody pointed it out, but I'm looking. I'm like, that's one thousand percent Matt Hardy. Like, like there's no doubt. And they're in South Carolina, so close enough. All right, I'll buy it. <laughs> but, but go back, just just go back during their entrance, watch it. Tell me if I'm wrong. But yeah, anyway. 
The crowd actually chants for Austin. Sorry, it was during the blonde entrance, right? Yes, yeah, during yeah, the blonde. Because I, I, I want to see this actually. Right. Uh, but the crowd actually chants for uh, for Steve Austin. Watts is drawing tons of boos, deservedly so. Gee, I wonder why. When Ventura asks why the fans keep booing him, Tony Schiavone asks, "Is it boo or is it ooh?" <laughs> like, shut the f up, Tony. <laughs> God bless his heart. Ever defend that on Conrad's po- on the podcast with Conrad? I would be interested. I have not heard their because they did a watch along to the show. I haven't heard theirs, but I've heard the eighty three weeks and Conrad roasts the hell out of him for it. <laughs> but he did. But Conrad also defends him at the same time because he's like, uh, you know, bless his heart. He's trying to def- he's trying to cover up Ventura, who's be- just being an ass. Uh, but the finish comes when Bagwell. Yeah, depends on how you look at it. That was kind of Ventura's shtick, though, because even when you listen to old classic WWF stuff, if like if they're booing a baby face, he, he calls it out. He's like, wow, they really hate him here. Shh, shut up. Yeah. And Vince was like, well, I, they're just really passionate. I'm like, shut up, Vince. We we uh, we uh, encourage free speech. Yeah. Free expression. Freedom of expression. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the finish comes when Bagwell hits a bridging fisherman's suplex on Pillman. The ref is distracted, so Austin comes off the top rope to hit Bagwell with an elbow drop, so Pillman can make the cover on Bagwell for the win. Uncle Dave really liked this one. He gave it three stars. I thought Eric Watts absolutely sucked. Bagwell was okay, and the blondes did all the work, so I gave it two stars. What say you? I gave it, I gave it two stars. My first note, I put Eric Watts and then like five dots after it. Uh, he sucked, dude. Like, oh my god! And then I also, I also said uh, it was a fun match, though. Could have been a lot worse. I know, like from everything I heard, Eric Watts was not like his father. He was an actual nice guy, and people liked him, which is why he kept a job as long as he did. Clearly, he took after his mother. <laughs> right. It just like he was a big, awkward, goofy dude who had no charisma. I mean, not just so at- oh well, hell yeah. And he later became Troy in uh, Techno Team 2000. So, you know, you know I like him. <laughs> but anyway, Real team, uh, by the way. Yeah. That's not like something you make up. Like, oh, I man. I, I created guys on 2K20. It's like Techno Team 2000. Yeah, because Vince, Vince McMahon thought that's how people would look in the year 2000. Like, uh, I think he went back in the 80s, bro. That was like 2000, according to Back to the Future. 2015, to be fair. So yeah. yeah. We get a video package of Sting and a helicopter flying through snowy mountains. Vader says... <laughs> then, we, then we flip to... We see, we see Vader. He's like, Stinger! We have a date with Destiny! <laughs> While snow blows around him. Which, this was a precursor to Sting in AEW, by the way. Yeah, right. Uh, we, I had, hold on, there's two things I said about that. Number one, so we can hear Sting's thoughts. Yeah, okay. And, and, I number, just... two, and number two, did Sting hear Vader talking to him? That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing, yeah. But I, I put in here, we can hear Sting's internal thoughts saying to himself, I wonder what this is all about. <laughs> and it's the, most, it's the most horrible acting, too. Yeah. This I was a precursor. <laughs> This was a precursor uh, to us hearing Jeff Hardy's thoughts in TNA. You remember yeah, that for I, a while? I do. 
Did they do something like that with Randy Orton and the Undertaker too at one point? Oh God! It, well, they they had him seeing the Undertaker in a mirror, or no, he saw his bloody dad in a mirror. Right. I, I apologize. That's vastly different. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Well, and that was a rip off of Hogan seeing the Warrior in a mirror. So, oh, <laughs> so much epicness. I just love how this is across a couple of companies too. It's not one doing it. Yeah, multiple companies thought this was a good idea. <laughs> God dang it. But we get Eric Bischoff with Johnny B. Bad. And when Bischoff informs Johnny that Ric Flair is at the building, Johnny gets very excited. <laughs> but we know he's not in the building yet. That's the funny part. Yeah. I can just, with with the reactions here, I just like, freaking, I wanted, because Eric's like, Johnny, you have a massive erection. He's like, don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> But they throw it to Missy Hyatt in the parking lot when a white limo pulls in. Security and police don't know who Missy Hyatt is, and they frisk her up against the limo. And she's like, well, at least buy me dinner first. Lots of innuendos. Yeah. Two women get out of the limo, and Missy randomly walks off with them off camera. I didn't get that one. And then Ric Flair gets out of the limo, goes, woo! And then security leads him off. And then Missy stomps and pouts because she didn't get the interview. This was stupid. <laughs> you gotta imagine some of those guards liked feeling her up, too. You think? We get, uh... Look, this is this might be an unpopular opinion. I say this was the best match of the night. Some people say it's the second best match of the night. But it's Chris Benoit making his pay-per-view debut for WCW, taking on Two Gold Scorpio, just shy of 17 minutes. Benoit has long, wet hair come back, and he's wearing gray zebra-striped tights and wearing a leather jacket to the ring. Straight out of the 80s, man. <laughs> I know we're only, what, a couple years removed, but, man. I have expected him to look at the camera, put up two thumbs, and be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but Gary Michael Capetta is counting down the final seconds of the match. Benoit goes for a dragon suplex, but Scorpio drops down onto his back for a quick roll-up, and he gets the win out of nowhere. Uncle Dave loved this, as did I. He gave it three and three-fourth stars. I don't do quarter stars. I gave it three and a half stars. What say you? I don't do half stars. I gave it three stars. <laughs> I. Where do you fall on match of the night? Like, second? Second, def definitely second. Okay. It shouldn't yeah, we'll, be a mystery to you what number one to me is, but yeah. Well, yeah. We'll get into that here in a minute. Well, obviously, it's the next match. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. But Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, real quick, I, I did say this was kind of a hidden a hidden gem, though. Oh, this was great. I, I love the finish because it's it, it, oh, here comes the draw. And nope, he won literally the last second. I was like, that I was know, original. I, was yeah, cool. I, thought, I thought that was coming. To, I was like, ah, this freaking thing is going to end in a damn draw. It's like, nope, Scorpio gets the win. Last second. They literally had two seconds before the bell, or the, yeah, the bell rang. It was a like, nice change, because we've seen that too much in WCW. Right. In the day. Absolutely. Like, well, we can't put over, you know, one guy over the other. That'd be crazy. For all of our listeners, I know there are some that don't like, you know, going back and watching Benoit stuff, and I get it. But if you can stomach watching Chris Benoit, this was a fantastic match. Scorpio was always... I want to say Scorpio was way ahead of his time. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, but up next, we get Eric Bischoff interviewing somebody that was not ahead of his time. Max Payne. 
about his upcoming uh, U.S. title match. My first note for that is, did he forget what decade he's in? He looks like he's stuck in the 80s. <laughs> I know. Uh, that went right into what you just said. <laughs> we talked about this on the phone the other day where I said, I, he's got like Nikki Six hair. Yeah. It's just like, uh, it's weird. It, when he was Man Mountain Rock, he just had like really long straight hair. Maybe he had dreads too. He had dreads at one point too. Uh, oh, I don't remember. Well, that kind of goes in with, uh, you know, because you know how you get dreadlocks is you don't wash your hair for an extended period of time. And that goes in with a lot of people said he was kind of stanky. So I don't believe that. I look at him and I'm like, man, that's one good smelling man. Yeah, he looks like he bathes frequently. <laughs> <laughs> but Max apparently named his guitar Norma Jean. Cool. And he says what? he's got. Sorry. <laughs> And he says he's got an epitaph for Dustin Rhodes, randomly looks up and says, Mother? <laughs> I don't get that one. Like, what? Like, this dude's just bleeding gimmicks. But his epitaph, uh, I like how he says, I wrote an epitaph for Dustin Rhodes. And then he plays taps on his yeah. guitar. You wrote taps? Uh, I like how okay. uh, Jesse Ventura is like shocked that Tony Giovanni knows what that is, by the way. <laughs> I know. Like, who the hell doesn't know what Taps is? I mean, I didn't always know what it was called, but I knew what it was. Did you catch the part where Bishop said, "Well, Max Payne, I'm sh- you got a you got a team of attorneys for this and to to get your match." And like, and I know. One more my notes for that. I was like, I'm very sure Max T- Max Payne had a team of attorneys. Ready. <laughs> I know. I'm like, when I think of a guy who's all who's lawyered up, I think Max <laughs> effing Payne. It's god dang it, man. But yeah, it's like who doesn't know who tap or what taps is, man? That that's a song you play while you flush your your dead fish down the toilet. What the hell? <laughs> what? I my have, dad. I've done that like forty seven times in my life. Never once I play taps. <laughs> my dad is a joke on Tigers. Like you know how like I don't know if if you guys if you do this, but like my dad smashed a bug and he like flushed it and. Like as as it's swirling down the toilet, he like salutes and, <laughs> and does taps. <laughs> wow, I always thought it was funny. He was like, "Aren't you supposed to do that if like they die in battle? Not if you, oh, I don't know, murder it." <laughs> <laughs> well, he he flushed it. And he said, "Burial at sea," and then he played taps. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> no uh, point intended on that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> wow, I just now got that. But speaking of uh, holy crap, up next we got Wild Bill Irwin taking on the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, and went shy of six minutes. Before you even start, I just I just want to say, right off the bat, my first note, British yeah. Bulldog versus the effing goon, shut up and take my money. <laughs> God dang it. My first note, as I said, the future goon comes to the ring with a bullwhip, whipping the ground and the <laughs> edges of the ring just to prove he's wild, I guess. Dude, I was laughing so hard at this entrance that I think I was doing it during the match. <laughs> First of all, I will give him props. He did this all the way to the ring, cracking that whip and in the ring and everything. Not once did he hit somebody by accident. Right. So, I mean, that is talented. But, I mean, first of all, not to pull a Vince McMahon, but, you know, in the opposite of the way he means it. Like, by God, look at him. Like, he looks like a big, pasty piece of crap. Well, I thought at first, no joke, I thought it was uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy for a minute. Holy crap. Gordy never looked that horrible. <laughs> the, Irwin was doughy and pale and just he looked like crap. 
it just I've never seen a Bill Irwin match that ever made me give a damn about him. He always did the job. He always sucked. I'm not saying he was a horrible wrestler. He just wasn't anybody I gave a crap about. Describing the Armstrongs, man. (laughs) Wow. The Armstrongs weren't bad wrestlers. (laughs) I don't know. This guy just... How did he keep getting work? Was he good at putting people over? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. He didn't complain when he had to do the J-O-B. And at least he got to wear a hockey jersey. (laughs) Yeah, cover up his doughy pale crapness but uh apparently they made a big deal they're like oh wild bill Irwin making his return to wcw like yay <laughs> yeah. but this is the wcw I, debut for davy boy smith i don't know why they didn't just play the uh whatever britannica for him that's like i think it's that, cool. but i was wondering the same thing i thought he had that his entire life yeah, well, and my thing is, because I was like, oh, well, they're not going to use the WWE thing. Like, why not? But it they was, did. It was like, the public domain. But the, yeah, they did use that when he came in 1998. Yeah, so, I don't know. Maybe they're like, well, this is a cool rock theme. Maybe it'll get you over more. Nah. But in the end, uh, Smith catches Irwin coming off the top, turns it into a running power slam, gets the pin. Uncle Dave gave this a fourth of a star. I mean, as much crap as I just talked about it, it was, I mean, for a job match in six minutes, I gave it two stars for below average, let's say you. I gave it a whole star. <laughs> <laughs> My notes yeah. were this match sucked, but it's always fun to see the Bulldog. Yeah, I people crap on him now, but I've always, I never saw anything wrong with Bulldog, ever. I thought he looked great. I thought he was good in the ring. Was he amazing? Not always. He had off days and on days, but... I mean, crap, dude. I thought he was great. But well, I know, know he had problems, too. I mean, I could explain the off and on days. Yeah, that's well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, but I first before they kept cutting into like at inopportune times with this. I was like, why do they keep doing this? Was this live on the pay-per-view when they did this? Because we get another weird video in the mountains of a camera going into a cave where a medieval looking table was set up with food all over it. And Vader's, like, helmet shoulder pad thingies, like, the centerpiece. Yeah. (laughs) That was it. This lasted for literally, like, four or five seconds. And then we go right back to the ring, and Bulldog cuts a post-match promo, proving that talking on the mic was never his strong suit. (laughs) He says he wants to be the world champion, heavyweight champion of the world. (laughs) I think he said world championship, world championship, world champion. Yeah, something like that. I think he was yeah. trying to say WCW in full words, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he says that he's looking forward to Van Vader's match tonight with the Sting and the Strap. <laughs> yeah. Also, going back to that White Castle Pier thing, I completely forgot it was a Strap match. I thought it was a brawl that took place in that. No, thank God it wasn't. That God dang. Yeah. At least they were smart enough not to do that. But, yeah, either way, uh, we get Johnny B. Bad and Missy Hyatt on the stage again to promote the WCW going to England soon. Obviously, they were, you know, promoting during the sun. (laughs) Right. And uh, Missy throws a fit because nobody told her to get her passport. Yeah, well, good thing they didn't because you'd have to, I mean, if you would have got it a couple of months prior, you'd have to update the picture because, anyway, moving on. Good Um, lord. And she uh, had her Eric, shots. Okay, cool. I'm done. God dang it. You made it worse. 
Uh, Eric Bischoff is standing with Paul Orndorff backstage asking what's going through his mind before his match with Cactus Jack. Paul starts talking about not being afraid of Cactus Jack. Or, well, I said talking. He started shouting very loudly about not being afraid of Cactus Jack. Did you notice he started with Hogan's Let Me Tell You Something? (laughs) Yeah. Why was this a thing back? Like, I didn't think about it until I started hearing people talking about it, like on podcasts or whatever, where it's like, that's the stereotypical, like, oh, you're a wrestler. So your promo is going to be, I'm screaming into the mic and I'm really into this. Like, cool. But he says he's not afraid of Cactus Jack until he gets interrupted by, you hear a snow shovel slamming on the ground. You turn around, it's Cactus Jack standing by. Well, I guess it's not a snow shovel, it's a gravel shovel. Uh, But he's slamming it on the ground, and Orndorff, like, backs up, and he runs through the the entryway and goes to the ring. But that goes right into our next match. It is Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff versus Cactus Jack in a Falls Count Anywhere match, 12 minutes, 17 seconds. I will tell you this, when I saw this on paper, I went, I don't give a damn about this at all. But the match was a lot better than I thought than I thought it was going to be. But getting into it here, it went for 12 minutes, 17 seconds. This is the point in the night where I was beyond sick of Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura constantly correcting and bickering each, with each other. I don't know if you caught that on commentary, but it was just like, it sounded like two school children going back and forth all effing night. I did hear it, but that's like, I didn't guess I didn't realize how much I hated it until you said that. <laughs> It was annoying because, like, everything, like, Tony Schiavone said something in one match about uh, them being athletes. And Ventura's like, well, they're not athletes, Schiavone. They're wrestlers. He's like, what the F is the difference? He's like, well, you're <laughs> like, he didn't really have a good explanation. It was just constant. Somebody was correcting the other one all effing night. It's like, shut up. Call the action. But there are some sick spots in this one involving guardrails. Like, Cactus Jack literally takes a suplex onto a standing upright guardrail. I was like, oh, God. But this is basically just a Cactus Jack stunt show. In the end, Ordorf is beating on Cactus Jack's hurt leg with a chair and then turns to signal for the pile driver. But behind Orndorff's back, Cactus grabs the shovel. Orndorff turns around, he blasts him in the face with it, and Jack pins him for the three. Uncle Dave gave this four effing stars. <laughs> wow. I gave it two and a half because I thought it was entertaining for, but average. For this? Yeah. I gave it two and a half. I thought it was at least average. It was entertaining. What say you? I gave it two. I said, it started, the match started in the back. Was this Russo booking it? Because it started backstage. <laughs> that was a thing. Right. And well, then I falls noted, down anywhere, bro. <laughs> uh, bro, nobody cares about wrestling in the ring, bro. And then I said, why was the finish a shot that started the match? If a shovel was going to finish him, why didn't he just finish him right when he hit him at the start? Did he hit him to start the match? Yeah, he smacked him on the back with it. Oh, okay. Well, he didn't smack him in the face, Greg. Still, Gosh. hit him with the damn, same damn weapon. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it had to come into play some way, shape, or form. I'll be honest with you. I thought Cactus was going to lose. So I was I like, well, the ending shocked me, and I thought it was cool. So I don't know. Dude, we're about I... to get pretty wonderful, though. So Yeah. But he has to move on from the singles. I'll say this about Paul Orndorff. I, I'm i on the fence with him, because I've never been like, yay, a Paul Orndorff match. But at the same time, I've always thought he was a really good wrestler. I've just never cared I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I just never cared either about him, honestly. 
But I will say this. I've, I've never seen a match with his that absolutely sucked. I mean, even as well, even the stuff against the Renegade, he like tried to make it presentable. And I'm talking 95 Renegade, man. The like, effing Renegade. Bash at the Beach, 1995. They literally wrestle on a beach. He, like, God bless him. Like, he tried so hard with that fool. And I, not to speak all the dead. I know he's, he, you know, the Renegade is past, but damn. Art Anderson said it was like wrestling a cement mixer. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, moving on, we go to the stage. We get a, th- a weird three-way conversation with Bischoff, Bad, and Missy Hyatt. And we did not need this whatsoever. It was just to break up the matches, I guess. Well, the next one, we get the heavenly bodies of Dr. Tom Pritchard and Stan Lane with Jim Cornette and Bobby Eaton. They are taking on the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, just shy of 13 minutes. This, again, was, um, you know, the Smoky Mountain Wrestling um, talent exchange thing they had going on. So that's where we're getting this match. And this was right before this all got shut down and Cornette went back to Kentucky. Actually, he's about to go to WWE very soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because they decided that Bobby Eaton isn't going to wrestle in this match, apparently they were doing the, the Freebird thing, uh, the referees send him to the back, and they start the match with Cornette whining about it. Uh, you, a bit... Did you happen to notice, by the way, that when the, right when they got introduced, Stan Lane grabbed the mic to say something, and then, they have, and then the rock and roll music started, and they gave the mic back and said, oh, never mind. Oh, no, and I then, didn't notice and that. And Gary Michael Capetta said, and the manager, Jim Cornette, while all this was happening, while the rock and roll rock and roll express music is playing, I did catch uh, the I did catch the Jim Cornette <laughs> announcement. I didn't catch the Stan Lane thing. That was clearly gonna say something. Like he had something ready, and then the music started, and he just went, "Oh, never mind." He gave the mic back. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Hey, hey, we're uh, getting low on time. We need more time for Max Payne." Okay, but damn it, I wanted to hear what what Stan Lane was gonna say. <laughs> uh, Ventura just was like extra effed up during this match because basically makes a gay joke about Cornette saying well with the with what the president's looking to do with the military Cornette might just be eligible now good lord uh, uh, for those that don't know what I'm talking about in the early 90s they were still doing the I think well actually I think until the 2000s they kept it up uh, with they had a thing in the military like they allowed gays in the military technically but it was a don't ask don't tell thing it's like, well, if you don't tell us that you're gay, then we won't ask you and we won't kick you out. <sighs> Ventura and Shivani wonder what Tom Pritchard is a doctor of. and Desire. <laughs> yes. Well, he said it right at the beginning of the effing match, but they pontificate on this for a while until Tony claims that Cornette said, well, uh, t- Tony says Cornette said that he was the doctor of disaster. My God, you don't even listen to what's going on in your own damn show. <laughs> the Doctor of Disaster? Hell yeah. Whatever. In the end, Bobby Eaton sneaks back in behind the referee's back, and he accidentally fist drops Pritchard. I think it was a fist drop. Might have been an elbow. Whatever. He jumped on him. Uh, Gibson pins him and gets the win for the rock and roll. Yet again, dude, Uncle Dave gave this crap four stars. I don't want to call it crap, but he gave it four effing stars. I gave it two and a half because I honestly thought it was very average. Let's say you. 
I said the same thing. I said two stars. It's the usual rock and roll versus Midnight Express match. Yeah, except you replace Bobby Eaton. You replace Bobby Eaton with Tom Pritchard. There you go. Because <laughs> that's better. <laughs> yeah, upgrade, man. I don't. I don't understand. I realize you're want. You're probably wanting to get Tom Pritchard some more exposure here. But why did they not have Tom as the third guy and Bobby Eaton's in there with Stan Lane? That they think, well, they've seen this combo so many times. Let's throw a new guy. Yes. <sighs> Didn't help. But after the match, Cornette is trying to stop Pritchard and Lane from killing beautiful Bobby. Yeah, so I don't think, I don't know if anything came out of this. I know Bobby. This is literally the end of them. I think right after this, uh, Cornette quits. Stanley and follows. Yeah, so I think Bobby sticks around in WCW. He later joined up with the Blue Bloods. What was he? uh, I know he was Robert. Robert, it was Earl Robert Eaton. Just the, the Earl of Eaton. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. But we get another cinematic short scene where Sting walks into Vader's cave and two beautiful women are laying on a bed covered in fur blankets. I said Sting looks like he's the Terminator scanning the room. No, he's RoboCop. <laughs> because obvious reasons. Dead or alive, they're coming with me. And because RoboCop saves Sting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I didn't even put that together, but yeah. He's the only tag partner that never turned on Sting. So still waiting for that epic Darby Allen turn on Sting. <laughs> <sighs> uh, but up next we get Dustin Rhodes, speaking of AEW. He's defending his WCW United States heavyweight title against Max Payne in 11 and a half minutes. I like how Dustin Rhodes is wearing Hulk Hogan colors. Very I cool. said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Max Payne is wearing the most generic wrestling outfit of all time with, <laughs> yeah. with half tights over a singlet. No logos on any of it. It's black. And he had like blue stripes down the side. Like he's the third member of the Hart Foundation. You look like Chris Angel on steroids is what I said. It, okay. Chris, Chris Angel that went on steroids and then quit working out while on steroids. So <laughs> yeah, he just right. got fat. <laughs> I've been told, by the way, from somebody who had experience with this, he's like, if you are going to, he said, I'm not advocating it, but from personal experience, if you take steroids, make sure you are working out while taking them, because otherwise, you're going to get fat. Yeah, I mean, they don't give you muscle, they help you build it quicker. Yeah, because he said there was a time when he was, like, doing a lot of road shows and wrestling. He said, so my workouts were few and far between, and I was still gassing up. And he said, so my cardio went in the toilet. And I started getting a gut. Lovely. So, yeah. Uh, I said, Dustin has pain locked in an abdominal stretch. Max pulls the referee into Dustin to break the hold, and the ref calls for the bell, disqualifying him. So 11 and a half minutes of pain down the toilet. Uncle Dave gave this negative one star. I just gave it one star for suck. What, give, what say you? I gave it one star. I said Max looked like he didn't even want to be there at times. I know. This was this boring, plotting, and they can say whatever they want about, oh, he's a last-minute replacement. But it's like, you could have literally put anybody else in there, and it would have been better than this. Well, they didn't have good attorneys like he did. Why did Vince McMahon, I wonder this about so many things, why did Vince McMahon look at this guy and was like, we need more of that on this show? Because he could like, play guitar. Nobody else could. 
I get that he was like, oh, that's a cool gimmick. He's a giant man that can play guitar. But it's like, yeah, but that damn bell has to ring at some point. He's beefy. Uh, he looks like he'd be advertising Chef Boy RD. <laughs> but after the match, Max Payne throws Dustin Rhodes outside the ring and beats on him before Dustin makes a comeback. They get back in the ring. He drop kicks Max Payne. He takes a powder, and the referees escort Max Payne away. Uh, yeah, because we need to set it up for more of this. <laughs> yeah. Let me do some research. I want to know if we get more of this. Yeah. Now I'm curious. Well, you know, Eric Watts didn't keep his job after Daddy got let go because he sucked. Dustin Rhodes is proof in the pudding that it's not just your dad that determines whether or not you can stick around. That's true. Dusty, had, Dusty had been gone for a while at this point, and they were still pushing Dustin as, you know, a top guy. Yeah, but at least he was good. Yeah, exactly. If Eric Watts would have been good and had any sort of personality whatsoever, he would have been around past this. And they tried pushing him to the moon. So don't sit there and tell me it wasn't because of it was, it was because they didn't push him. They literally had him lock Arn Anderson in the STF in a gas station parking lot. <laughs> and yes, those words in that order left my mouth. I remember he was in TNA for a minute. <laughs> yeah, God. We reviewed a show with him on it, now in the archives. In yet another short cinematic uh, scene, Sting is surrounded by beautiful women in a glowing red cave and says, there's something very familiar about all of this. And then Vader is seen in a mirror shouting, Stinger! And the mirror shatters. Yep. That's, that's <laughs> money, dude. That was money. Oh my gosh. That's... <laughs> it keeps getting better. Like, ah, I need more of this. I, just, on I want someone to watch now. this because I want someone to watch this because they're going to hear it all and they're going to think you're making this up. <laughs> yeah, go back and watch all this, please, for the love of God. Why do you hate people? It needs to happen. But, all right. Uh, Bischoff, Hyatt, and Bad are all teasing some sort of surprise for later in the night before Ric Flair's theme hits, and he comes out. And this is one of the first instances I've seen of a heel entrance and a face entrance. And I didn't notice it until this point in the night when they drew the camera out. I noticed it with Bulldog and uh, the goon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I yeah, this is one of the first times I've ever seen any company do this. So that I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, obviously that's a thing now with like I don't know if AEW does heel and face. They just have two. Uh, two I entrances. think this was a Bill Watts thing. I did hear Bischoff once tell a story about him that he didn't want heels and faces traveling together, but not for the reason ah. you would think. He said he, and this is what Bischoff said. He said he didn't want them traveling together because if the plane crashes, he doesn't want to lose all of his talent. I had heard that. That's right. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. So you only lose all of your baby faces or all of your heels. Yes. Because that's man, huh? what better. Right. So dumb. But, yeah, this was uh, this was but I just I just put that with that, though. It sounds like something he would do. He wants us to keep them all separate. So Right. And I mean, I think this was cool. I like this. I loved it when TNA did it back in the day. Uh, you know, so. Cool. And now, like I said, AEW's keeping it alive. So, um, it's, it's different. You know, not everybody does it. Shivani interviews Ric Flair at ringside. Flair puts over that he's back and he never lost the NWA title to begin with. 
And yes, everybody, we have the NWA title and the WCW title being defended on the same effing show. Well, one's the World International title, to be fair. Not they yet. Kept just, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they kept announcing this as just the NWA World Heavyweight title. So. A couple more months is about to go away. Yeah. And this was another, I was today years old. I, I didn't know that Great Muda held the big gold belt. So that shocked me, because I was like, Oh, Barry Windham's defending, right? Nope. It is the Great Muda with Hiro Matsuda in his corner defending the NWA World Heavyweight title against Barry Windham in a match that went just over 24 minutes. Not the crap on the guy, but seriously, what did Hiro Matsuda ever add to anything? Did he do interviews? No, I don't think he speak English either. Yeah, so why is he there? At least Sonny Ono could cut promos. Yeah. Jap- uh, get Japanese people watching, maybe get one of their heroes. Yeah, I don't know. Wasn't this uh, wasn't Hiro Matsuda the guy that trained like Hulk Hogan? Yep, snapped his leg. <laughs> yeah, he trained Hulk Hogan and just a bunch of old timers. I think he trained Paul Orndorff too. I could be wrong, but yeah, a bunch of old uh, big name talent from the golden era. The fans didn't even wait for the match to start before chanting "We want Flair," completely killing this match dead right out the gate. Yep. Flair's on going commentary. crap for him the whole time, too. Yep. Flair's on commentary for this one, so it's a three-man table. Muda claims that he had the flu here during this match, which could excuse how the match went. Ric Flair on commentary shows that it was not inappropriate, apparently, in 1993 to refer to Japanese people as Japs, because he <laughs> did it. Oh, man, that was... And I knew it was even, coming because he told me. I was like, man, it's still weird to hear. And he wasn't even trying to insult him. He wasn't saying it like an insulting way. He was just like, oh, he's a tough jab. I'm like, whoa. But in the end... Are you insinuating that they're not tough? Yeah, that's that's what I'm going whoa about. Uh, in the end, Wyndham gets the knees up for a moonsault attempt, He hit, which... Now that he has the flu, I can excuse why he kind of landed on his feet and only kind of half took it. Because I'm like, that looked kind of weak. He basically landed on his feet and missed the knees completely and then sold it anyway. Uh, but then Wyndham hits the lariat. He drops Muda with an implant DDT, which Muda didn't really get up for either. So it was that. But then he pinned him for the win. Uncle Dave buried this one, gave it one and a fourth star. I gave it two and a half stars. I thought it was at least average. What say you? I thought this was the best match of the entire night. Really? I gave it. I gave it four stars. Yeah. Damn. Match was I great. Thought, I thought it was okay. It was nowhere near my favorite. It's even more of a four star now that I knew he had the damn flu. I've seen Muda have so many more great matches. Wyndham, too. Okay, yeah, but I mean, I don't ever say that because that's not fair to this particular match. Well, no, I'm just saying, like, measure, like, oh, they've had way better ones. Yeah, but you can say about anybody. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, I don't feel like these two were, like, the best matchup here, and maybe it was because of the flu thing. I don't know. I just, I thought it was okay. I just, I don't know. I can see why people would like it. Most people apparently didn't. It got kind of bad reviews from a lot of people, but I mean, I could see why you like it. You, you're you a fan of both these guys. I am too. I, thought, I uh, still think Barry Wynn is one of the most underrated champions of all time. Apparently, he never worked out, and it's very evident now in 2021 that he has not worked out, but uh, yeah, apparently he just 
They said he was a natural, like, physical freak. And well, he never was a Texas was a, boy, so they're usually built like that. You know, like a brick crap house. And he was, he wasn't like a body guy ever, but he just, he was strong. He was a great worker. He had great cardio. But after the match, Ric Flair goes to strap the world title around Barry Windham's waist. Windham realizes it's Ric Flair finally, and he whips around. They stare each other down as Flair smirks at him, and he walks away. Keep uh, it warm. <laughs> yeah. And I think he did too. <laughs> Did we ever, was it Wyndham that he faced, or was there, like, a champion between them? No, he takes it from Wyndham in July, uh, okay. I think, June, July. Oh, okay. And then faces, and then faces uh, Rick Rude, and the NWA doesn't like the fact that Rude's going to be champion, and that's when they secede from them, so. Ah, okay. So it's all in this year. Yeah, I gotta go back and watch that, because now I'm curious. But I just I don't want to know in what world Rick Rude being world champion is a bad thing. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know the full story. So apparently they had to bury that one. <laughs> the the next segment lead into the main event. So I think we're going to take our second to last break right now, and we come back. We're going to dive into the main event at hand, which is Big Van Vader and Sting for the WCW title in a White Castle Fear Strap match. But we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to the main event of the NFL football season. That's right, this Sunday is the biggest game of the year, the Super Bowl between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. And to commemorate all of that, we're going to be talking some wrestling. We're going to drop a very special bonus watch-along episode to all of our podcast feeds and our YouTube channel. And you can listen to it before, during, or after the game because it drops Saturday at noon. We're going to do a watch-along, the very first ever halftime heat from 1999 between The Rock and Mankind. It was an empty arena match for the WWF title. Don't forget, Saturday at noon, all of our podcast feeds and YouTube, check us out. It's a very special Super Bowl-themed bonus show. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Check out my summer picks. Here I'm at Total Wine for rosés and Zinfandels. Cool. Here's my boyfriend picking craft beers. Does he work there? Oh, he's more than a summer fling. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we're back uh, real quick before we get in the main event. Just remember, we are on unhingedsn.com every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's when we play live. And, of course, you can hear us on Wednesdays on all of our podcast platforms. So like, subscribe, and 
on your uh, internet browser, go to uh, unhingedsn.com and put it in bookmarks. But all right, we uh, go back to that glowing red cave with the beautiful women all over the place. And Vader says, race, strap. And Harley Race tightens the leather strap around Vader's wrist. He throws it to Sting. Sting picks it up. And then the screen explodes. Uh, so did they already have a White Castle of Fear strap match? And now they're going to have a rematch in the ring? I don't know. Which <laughs> <laughs> is weird. I don't know. Uh, but if we aren't already pumped up enough for this, Greg, we get another freaking segment of Bischoff, Johnny B. Bad, and Missy Hyatt. Good effing grief. Yeah. They're the host of the show. I got to push that all night. Yeah. But we finally get Big Van Vader with Harley Race. He's defending the WCW World's Heavyweight title against Sting in a White Castle Fierce strap match. This went for just shy of 11 minutes. The graphic on the screen, by the way, lets us know that this is not a sanctioned match by the WCW. So, yeah. Then Tony Schiavone said they did the lights out thing before the match to let him know. Okay. Cool. Anyway. We couldn't have got that? (laughs) Well, here's my thing. If it's unsanctioned, why is it for the title? Yeah, right. That that one confused me. Uh, But Sting whipped Vader's back until he literally bled. Deeper into the match, Sting gets busted open. I missed the spot where he actually got busted. And then Vader's ear is busted open at one point, and he's just a bloody effing mess. Pretty gross. In the end, Sting holds on to the ropes to prevent Vader from touching the fourth turnbuckle, but Race smacks his hands to get him loose, and Vader is able to reach the turnbuckle for the win. Uncle Dave calls this the best strap match he's ever seen, and he gives it four and a half stars. I gave it three stars, because I thought it was really good, but not the best thing ever. Like, what say you? I thought it was two. You didn't didn't enjoy it that much. I didn't. Wow. I thought it was funny too that the heel lost and got the hell beat him. Oh, heel once you didn't get the hell beat him after. <laughs> yeah. And he was, I mean, both guys were, ble- were bleeding, but uh, yeah, Vader was the messier of the, the two. That's for damn sure. And like you said, after the match, Sting runs up and starts whipping the crap out of Vader all over again until he runs off like a scared little, you know what? <laughs> Good lord. And to close the show, we go back to Eric Bischoff, Johnny B. Bad, Missy Hyatt. Missy says that. Her and Johnny have to freshen up for a party that they've been invited to. And then Barry Windham comes up to be interviewed by Eric Bischoff and says that he's taken all comers for his championship. And he wants every championship, which I was like, yes, you have the top one. Why do you need the others? Yeah. I, okay. I, I misspoke. He wa- he's taking on all comers for all championships. <laughs> yes. You, yeah. That is correct. <laughs> this was, I'm like, yeah, so does that mean you want both world titles? I don't know. Whatever. But all right, so that's the main event. We're going to get into the uh, final ratings here after this break, our last break of the podcast, and then tell you what's to come here now that we are in the month of February. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. sports fans and welcome to the main event of the nfl football season that's right this sunday is the biggest game of the year the super bowl between the tampa bay buccaneers and the kansas city chiefs and to commemorate all of that 
we're going to be talking some wrestling. We're going to drop a very special bonus watch-along episode to all of our podcast feeds and our YouTube channel, and you can listen to it before, during, or after the game because it drops Saturday at noon. We're going to do a watch-along for the very first-ever halftime heat from 1999 between The Rock and Mankind. It was an empty arena match for the WWF title. Don't forget, Saturday at noon, all of our podcast feeds and YouTube, check us out. It's a very special Super Bowl-themed bonus show. You'll never believe it. I mean, I hardly could. Kohl's has epic deals right now, and they're going to make for an epic 4th of July. I got the cutest $6.99 Americana tees. $19.99 $19.99 Tech Gear shorts for me and Toastmaster Kitchen gadgets for less than 10 bucks. I even got Kohl's cash and picked up my order in less than an hour. So yeah, cue the fireworks because these savings are definitely worth celebrating. Select style sale ends July 4th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle? Is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast? The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. Final uh, final segment here on the show. We're going into the ratings. IMDb gave this 6.7 out of 10. Cagematch.net, oddly enough, gave it 7.97 out of 10. Usually they're pretty harsh. I gave it a 6 out of 10. What say you? I gave it a C minus. Yeah, so about a 7-ish. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, like I said, it didn't suck. It just wasn't my favorite event I've ever watched. Uh, it was like, eh, it's okay. I think the news around this event made everything more enticing to watch, in my opinion. But, I don't know. Either way, that will wrap up Super Brawl 3. Thank you all for joining us for this one. Uh, one more time, Main Event Marks is sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. If you're a real sports fan, you're going to want to click on the links down in the description. And don't forget to check us out every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern, right when AEW Dynamite and NXT start on the East Coast on unhingedsn.com. And of course, we drop new episodes on our podcast feeds the same day. Speaking of new episodes, next week, February 10th, we're going to the WWF and the Attitude Era yet again, back to the year 99. I know you love it. I love it. It's WWF St. Valentine's Day Massacre in your house. Uh, anything that jumps out at you about that one? Uh, the cage match. Yeah, of course. Uh, Austin McMahon cage. That's the main event. And, uh, last man standing between, uh, full or excuse me, mankind and the rock for the WWF title. Big show debuts, big stuff there. And February 17th, real quick. Uh, we're, we are covering WCW Super Brawl eight. That's the main event. There is Hogan and Sting. Greg was actually there in person. So uh, we're going to cover that. 
And that, but uh, again, St. Valentine's Day Master next week. Thank you for joining me today, Greg. Mm-hmm. And we will see you all next week, later on. <sighs> the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. (sighs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.